0: well i invite you to turn your copies of god's holy and inspired word one more time or another time to first peter chapter 2. first peter chapter 2 this morning we're going to begin a transition within the letter when we get to verses 11 and 12 Uh, This is uh, what we would refer to, or we do refer to, as a hinge uh, passage. And what he is doing is he is taking everything that he has said up to this point, and he is reasserting it in order to now move forward with the next big section that he wants to communicate. And so it's one of those passages that... You, it, it has to be connected to before, but it also has to be connected to after. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at this specifically as it is connected to what has come before, uh, especially the last couple of weeks as we looked at this, um, this, under, this notion of the church as God's temple presence here on earth We've looked at it redemptively historically. Uh, We've looked at it theologically. Um, What we're going to do this morning is actually roll up our sleeves and get practical uh, with what this means for us. The um, title of the sermon this morning is Worship and Witness Like Everybody's Watching. Let's read. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men... that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we ask for you to open our eyes and to see Jesus Christ, to see him afresh, to see him as both our high priest who continues to minister on our behalf, even right now, as this prayer is entering into his praying. But we also ask that you would help us to see him as our sacrificial lamb a once-for-all sacrifice that has forever taken care of everything that we could not do for ourselves so that we could be known by you as a heavenly Father rather than to be known by you as an eternal judge. And so, Father, we ask one more time that you would impress upon us This privilege and calling of being your temple presence on earth so that we would just simply give ourselves to it in everything in which we engage. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. I don't know, you may be like me, you may not. I like to look at memes, especially when I'm not feeling all that good. There is nothing about a visual picture with something funny written on it that can really elevate the spirits at time. And uh, one of my favorites is, uh, and there's about a thousand different versions of this one meme, but it usually is a picture of either a person or an animal that is in, in an extremely awkward position. And then the words are dance like nobody's watching now if you're brave you can look it up just be careful there some of them are are not as uh, encouraging as others but there'll be this picture of this individual that's just looking like a fool but don't worry you just dance, you just do your own thing as if nobody's watching. It's words that actually come from a song, a country song that was written back in 1989. Um, I'm sorry, 1987 by Susanna Clark and Richard Lee. And the song's title was Come From the Heart. I was listening to it this morning on YouTube. Um, It's it's not a great song in terms of the entertainment value. Maybe because it's country, I don't know. But in the song, one of the refrains that's sung is you've got to sing like you don't need the money, love like you'll never get hurt, you've got to dance like nobody's watching, it's got to come from the heart if you want it to work. And the the point here is is that what they're trying to say is, if you really want to to give yourself to the moment, then you need to be freed up not to worry about what might happen. In 1997, the words uh, were picked up by a writer and changed. And this is more fitting for me. Sing like nobody's listening. (laughs) You can ask my, my family about that. Sing like no one's listening. Love like you've never been hurt. Dance like nobody's watching. So there's that phrase again. And live like it's heaven on earth. Now that is a wonderful idea that is completely unbiblical. And it can be so easy to be encouraged to, to take on this idea that, you know what, for me to really be free and to really give myself to what I'm doing, I just got to throw caution to the wind and, and just do my thing and, act, and just don't worry about it. I'm going to sing like no one's listening. I'm going to dance like nobody's watching. What Peter wants us to understand, it's the opposite. Your freedom comes because of the victory of Jesus Christ over sin and death, through his righteous life, through his um, substitutionary sacrifice on the cross, and through his victory in being raised from the dead and ascended back to to his Father's right hand in the heavenly places. These simple nuts and bolts of the gospel are meant to free us in order to give ourselves to everything that we are engaged in for his glory. But we are specifically here in 1 Peter 2 told to do it precisely because everyone is watching. That can be a little unnerving. We don't like to think about that. One of Christie's phrases throughout our marriage, even before the marriage, someone's always watching. And that's because I was always doing something embarrassing. (laughs) But it's true. Within this text, we know it's true because of what we have talked about. There is the kingdom program of God that is expressed through this idea of temple. And there is the counterfeit kingdom of the dark forces that they are trying to build in in opposition to God's kingdom. And this has gone on from the very beginning. That as God built this garden temple at the very beginning of creation, and he, and he, and he made uh, man and woman in his image and set them in the garden for them to work and to serve that garden. They were the first uh, uh, royal representatives of God. They were the first priestly representatives of God. They were the first to have his word and had the calling to live by that word and to disseminate that word. And from the very beginning... Satan arrives, and he starts working against it. And this pattern goes over and over and over and over and over. Every major transition in redemptive history replays this over and over and over. We're being watched because the world doesn't like what we're doing. They don't like who we are, they don't like what we value, and they certainly don't appreciate who we serve. As a result, we are told here that Gentiles are watching. They are looking. And like their father, Satan, what they want to do is catch you in something so that they can point at you and say, Aha! Gotcha! There's your hypocrisy. You say you love people, but look what you just did. Right? They love to catch us. Satan loves to catch us. And he loves to throw accusations out at us. Martin Luther, who many of you know of, struggled deeply, especially early on after his conversion, with wrestling within himself with his own sin and wrestling with the dark forces around him. And he wrestled because he he felt like he kept hearing these accusations from Satan over and over and over. And what he learned to do because of the finished work of Jesus Christ is when he would hear that accusation, Instead of trying to say, well, you you know, I'm not that, or I'm not that bad, or "I, I didn't really sin that way, he says, yes, I did. I did do that. But what be of it? Jesus Christ has died for that. He has completely covered it, and I am 100%. He didn't say 100%. I am completely and totally accepted by him and by my heavenly Father. Accusations, whether they are coming from the dark forces, whether they are coming from the world who serve the dark forces, or whether they're coming from within ourselves and our own consciences. We will hear these false accusations over and over and over, and our response is not to try to deny them, but to embrace them, confess them, and let the blood of Christ cover them. This is what it means for us to be the temple presence of God on earth who like Adam and Eve are royal representatives of the king who have the privilege of serving as priests who have his word and who are called to work to guard, to protect that temple presence, allowing the Word of God to protect us and allowing the Word of God to be disseminated from us out into the world. And there are two main ways that we do this, but they are not two separate things. They're actually the same thing that has a different purpose depending on where and when we are doing it. Worship was something that was found at the temple. If you were to go to Israel and you would have gone to Jerusalem, you would have seen this beautiful temple, if it was Solomon's temple or if it was Herod's temple. This beautiful, glorious building and and what you found, there was the place where the means of grace were being administered by priests, priests who had a calling to represent sinners to God through the sacrificial system that God had provided. You would go and you would actually see the temple. You would see the smoke rising off of the, of the burnt offerings that were continuously being offered. You would smell those offerings. You could not get too close without beginning to smell the live animals, and we all know what that smells like, but also the dead carcasses. Many of us know what that smells like. The blood that would be shed, And then the flesh, that was being roasted. It was a very sensory process where you would see these things and you would see a priest who was wearing certain garb. Tonight, if you tune in or if you come to be present for um, our background study of 1 Peter this evening, I'm going to make some very specific connections here with regards to what the priests wore, what the temple looked like, and what that meant for the visible presentation of the means of grace. The priests were an extension of the temple. The priests were a manifestation of the God whose presence was in the temple. They could be seen, they could be heard when they would teach the Word of God. They could be seen. They could be heard. The temple, it was a visual place. It was a sensory place where you could smell and where you could hear. And the point being was this. God's truth had body. It wasn't naked. God's truth wasn't simple ideas where people could get, get around together around the coffee shops back then and discuss ideas. That was actually the way pagans did things, right? Read Acts. Read the, the, the interaction with Paul with the philosophers in Athens. That's what they did, but that's not what we do, especially on the other side of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, as we have said, who is that ultimate temple presence of God who has come to earth where the glory of God did not remain hidden under the animal skins that were part of the tabernacle tent, but the glory of God took up residence in human skin. And Jesus, as the presence of God on earth, Jesus was that place where you would find God's grace, where you could find God's mercy. You could see God's uh, character as you watched what Jesus did. You could learn of God as you would listen to what Jesus would teach. You could see what it was to be a, rep- a, a, a member of God's family as you just watched Jesus. And that's what the disciples did over and over and over again. And how often do we see that they're confused <laughs> by what they see and by what they hear? But the reality is that Jesus, as the temple presence of God, he was this this. He was this Physical means that God was representing himself in and through. That he could be seen, he could be heard. What does this mean for us if we are that ongoing temple presence of God here on earth? Well, Peter's telling us. What it means is this. You are living stones that are part of this temple presence of God. And so, therefore, you are royal priests whose purpose is to offer sacrifice to God. In our everyday language today, what we are seeing here is that you would go to the temple and you would see and hear and smell worship. The worship that was going on was bearing witness to God to his truth and what he had done for his people see worship and witness are not two separate things and so often you know i even present it that way and i'm sorry i can get caught up in 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 being imprecise with what i present and so often we see it as we come here to worship right? And then we go out into the, we're allowed to talk. I know we're Presbyterians. We're allowed to talk. When we go out, what are we going out into? Okay. And if you're Baptist, especially, you're going out into the mission field, right? You've worshiped here. You're going to witness out there. Beloved, what it means for us to be the temple presence of God and to be these royal priests, as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, is that we do come here to worship, to experience this special presence of God through the means of grace here corporately so that we can take this worship out there. It's not that we worship here and then go witness there. We worship here and we take worship with us out into everything that we are doing. And guess what? When we are worshiping here, and when you and I read scripture, especially this is one of the reasons I like us having these responsive readings, where we're through our words, through the words that God has given to us, we are expressing back to him his greatness, his goodness, his love, his mercy, as we recount his wonderful deeds and the actions of what he has done in redemption throughout history. When we are doing that here as worship, we are bearing witness to who God is and what he has done. And guess what? We're bearing witness to one another. And we're bearing witness to our hearts. And we bear witness to any visitor who comes, whether they come here as someone who is a believer or if they come as someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ. Worship and witness are together here And then when we go out, we take this worship out there. And as we worship God out there as living sacrifices, as Paul says, where we are revealing Christ in the way that we live and revealing in what we say, right? Lifestyle evangelism is not one or the other. It's both. And when you do it out there, guess what? That is worship that bears witness out there. So we have worship that bears witness here. We have worship that that bears witness out there. Worship and witness as if everybody is watching. Because within the setting here of the local church, and this is why coronavirus has been so difficult, and I know for those who are at home, is that we are not getting to see Christ in one another like we normally get to see. We are not getting to bear witness to one another like we normally would get to do. We bear witness as we worship, as we worship, we are bearing witness it's two sides of one coin it's two aspects to one identity and privilege as followers of jesus christ who have been born again to a living hope and called to express the Holiness of God and our complete devotion to him as sojourners and exiles who are not members of this world and reflecting the realities of this world, but are members of the heavenly places as citizen, citizens of the heavenly courts who bear witness to those realities. You see how he's taking all of this And he's bringing it together here in chapter 2. So that on the basis of your identity as sojourners and exiles, you would abstain from the passions of the flesh. Now look, that does not only mean sinful stuff. It certainly includes sinful stuff. But the flesh doesn't always, it isn't always used as a synonym for sin. But flesh is always used as a synonym for earthly, temporal, something that is fading and passing away. But what is the living hope that you and I have been called to, that, it, that is being guarded for us and we're being guarded for it in chapter 1? an inheritance that is imperishable. You see that? Don't give yourself and your allegiance and your energies to the things of this world simply for the sake of the things of this world. Give yourself to the reality of the heaven places, but then express them through the things of this world. You see, to the moms who have children, to the dads who have children, right? When you're carrying out your calling as a parent, that is mission. That is witness. You're bearing witness to Jesus Christ. When you're changing a diaper, as a Christian, you are doing so as one who is bearing witness to the love of God in Christ when you are entering figures into a computer, when you are pouring concrete, when you are sitting on the porch drinking sweet tea, that's, my, that's where I fit into this, when you work one day a week as a pastor, right? Every mundane thing in this life is an opportunity, For you to bear witness to the eternal realities of a triune who has taken up flesh in order to build a family for himself in the eternal perfections of his unmediated glory. That's what got him started creation, and that is where all this is headed. You don't have to come to church to be doing holy things. you come here to do holy things and then you go out there to do holy things if you want to engage in mission for Christ this week and you're sitting there going I just don't know what to do then wake up and the first thing you do is you say thank you for bringing me to a new day I'm yours. And then with everything that you seek out to do that day, do it with the conscious understanding that God is with you and you are doing it as an expression of his character and of his heart. And when you engage with people, Romans 12, do so as a living sacrifice. Did you see what that meant? It meant, don't expect people to bend to what you think. Don't expect people to bend to what you value. Don't expect people to bend to what you want. Serve them. And embody the love of Christ as you do so. Whether it is someone who is receiving what you're doing or someone who is ridiculing you because of what you're doing. Because the reality is that God tells us here that when we do these things it is worship and it is witness and that is it is being watched people are going to try to catch you as hypocrites and guess what they will but let them also catch you as one who will own the hypocrisy and confess the sin and to ask their forgiveness and let them see the gospel in you so that you then can speak that gospel to them when they go, what are you doing? This is so weird. Get up every day. See yourself as a priest. See everything that you are doing as offering a sacrifice unto God secondly you want to do something practical and bearing witness and worship together well invite someone to church it's that simple You don't have to argue with them. You don't have to get into an apologetic discussion and try to show them 18 different ways that the stars bear witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. To be faithful in presenting God's temple presence here on earth is to say, hey, would you like to come to church with me? Because what will you be doing? You as an individual temple presence will be bringing them to the corporate temple presence where they will come here and they will participate in a liturgy that will call them to give their lives to God through confessing uh, confessing sin, receiving Jesus Christ through the gospel that is preached and, and being reformed according to his word. You don't have to go out and be a Jean Paul and give your life in Haiti and in death, to be an expression that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Just be who Christ has already made you to be and just strive to do it in every aspect of your life and confess when you mess up and celebrate God's forgiveness over and over and over. Beloved, go out there in worship and witness because everyone is watching let's pray our heavenly father you are so incredibly gracious to us you've made us a new humanity in the risen christ you have made us that eschatological temple in jesus christ you are remaking us in the image of Jesus Christ. You have caused Christ through your spirit and word and sacrament to take up residence within us as individuals and as a corporate body. You have given us all things that are necessary for life and godliness because of the divine nature coming and dwelling within our souls. But we get distracted by earthly things. We get distracted by temporal things. We get distracted by things that are rusting, things that are decaying, things that will not last. And we don't set ourselves on the eternal things that are unfading and imperishable. And so, Lord, keep working on us. Keep loving on us. Keep accomplishing your purpose in us and through us and use us here in this place, in this community to be a people who show the life of Christ, to be a people who can speak and express the gospel of Jesus Christ and to do it whether it is something silly and mundane or if it is something that is life-encompassing. Whether it is simple or complex, Lord, let us give ourselves to you over and over. And we do ask, Lord, that you would bring people to this place who don't know you so that through the ministry of word and sacrament in this place, those who are not your people may become your people those who did not have mercy will come to possess your eternal mercy in jesus christ it is in jesus name that we pray amen